Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Good morning, Lambrick. My, uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Aaron. I'm the youth pastor here. I, and I have the pril- privilege. Oh, thank you. Wow, that was... Wow. Um, <laughs> I have the privilege of being um, the one preaching for you this morning. Typically, when I get, get up to preach, I usually start by poking fun at our senior pastor. I don't know if you guys have noticed that pattern, hey? Someone pointed it out to me. He's like, every time you get up to preach, you always make fun of Scott. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but uh, either it's, you know, his, uh, his gray hairs that are coming in, or I tease him for, or I tease him for letting me preach, too, because, like, I'm the youth pastor. It's a risk. Um, <laughs> No, Scott's great. He's not here this morning. Uh, he's probably watching or he'll watch later, so sorry, Scott. Um, and uh, what he's been doing in this series is uh, for the Psalms of Ascent is setting up a team, just like we did last year. We actually have people from the church congregation who are going to be preaching um, during this series, um, putting together this team. He's also been admonishing us and equipping us, and so he's, it's been really encouraging. But before we jump in, uh, he started us off last week, and we're going to continue the journey uh, today. But before we jump in, we've got a bunch of announcements that I want to to uh, give us a heads up about. Uh, and so to start, I am going to call up Sue. Here we go. And she's got a little message for us. I just wanted to say thank you. As you remember, yesterday was a work bee. Uh, it was announced many times, and we just want to say a huge thank you to 22 people who showed up yesterday, all ages. It, they were awesome. They worked so hard. They did tons of work. There were six um, loads on pickup trucks that were taken away at different times throughout the morning. Uh, the youngest helper was Eli Johnston. I just want you to know he's not even two. <laughs> and he was there working with his mom, putting, digging mulch and putting it into the, into the wheelbarrow so it could be distributed. And then at the end of the day, he had a little truck. He was going and picking up debris at the side and putting it in a bag. So we had awesome help all day. He was very cute. You know how I'd love Eli. Just a very special time. Thank you. I would love to name each person, but I might forget, and it would take too long. But I want to say thank you for all of those that did just so many jobs that have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a long time. And we'll put, we'll put some pictures in the community update next time so you can see a few of the people that, that were helping. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Sue, and uh, to all those who helped at the work bee. That's awesome. Uh, well, my first announcement this morning uh, has to do with also taking ownership of the church. This is our church together. We want to take care of it. Um, and God wants us to be a good steward of the church and of our finances and our own personal life. And so um, one way we honor God is by giving to the church. Practically, it pays for, you know, 
the lights to be on and heating when it's cold and AC when it's hot and things like that. And it also supports our ministries uh, that are going on in this church. So we don't pass around the basket, uh, but we invite you to be a bit creative this morning. And there's lots of options there um, for you to give. We'll also throw the screen up, I think, at the very end of the service. So if you didn't get a chance to look at all those ways, you'll get another chance. Um, today is a very special day because right after the service, as I mentioned, you're all invited to a barbecue, a church barbecue. I think this is like the first church barbecue we've done in a really long time, but it's not just you know a church barbecue. It's also a fundraiser for our Moldova missions team. And so we encourage you to give and donate. Uh, you'll get a delicious hot dog, but your funds will actually go support their trip that's coming up here. Um, and if you, if you don't like hot dogs, if you're not a big hot dog fan, uh, then next Saturday, there's another fundraiser happening on June 10th at 7 o'clock. The Moldova team is putting uh, on a night of music and desserts, which sounds great. Um, and they've asked if you are interested in coming to the Saturday event, if you would just register online so they know how many cookies and Nanaimo bars and things like that to make. Um, and if... Perchance you hate hot dogs and music and desserts, <laughs> and you either like or hate beards, it's for both parties, um, especially Luke Rosenberg's beard. If you really hate or like Luke's beard, um, then another way you can support the Medulva trip is by joining our Shave It or Save It fund. Um, and just a reminder, Lucy, so there's some jars outside there, so you can throw in some funds there. You can also give online. I, I just want to throw this out. Lucy has never seen her husband's chin, like ever. We don't even know if Luke has a chin to be honest. Um, and so if you want to see what's underneath all that beautiful hair, um, then donate. Or if you want him to keep it because you just love beards or you love Luke's beard, <laughs> then donate. Um, Luke also wanted me to mention that if you give a lot, then he might choose you to be the one to shave off his beard, which would be a great honor. A great honor. <laughs> what's that, Luke? Only if you shave it. Only if you shave it. Yeah, you could keep it and then just stand up here and maybe play with it. <laughs> if you donated enough. <laughs> Luke's like, no, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> All right, uh, the next uh, announcement I have is super exciting. Um, Monday, June 19th, we have our SGM. Woohoo! Great, sweet, yeah, Dave's excited. Woo! Um, and so if you're a member, we just want to invite you to join us for SGM. It's just one way that you can have, your voice can be heard and um, you have a chance of kind of shaping the ministry here and in specific uh, giving um, agreement to our budget forthcoming this next year. So if you're a member, uh, that's an opportunity for you. We'd love to see you there. Um, speaking of the life of the church and all ways that we can take ownership and, and enjoy the ministries going on here. Kenzie, our children's pastor, is looking for kid care volunteers this summer. Um, she needs people to do things like make popcorn, uh, press play on the DVD player, wipe noses, you know, those kinds of things. I'm just kidding, not the wipe noses thing. <laughs> um, it helps uh, support our regular kid volunteers. They work throughout the year endlessly, and so it gives them a little bit of a break during the summer. Um, and it also will help Kenzie a lot as she goes on the Mandova trip herself. So she can have that support here. Um, so if you're interested in helping out, even if you're kind of not sure and you're not really totally dedicated to helping out this summer, um, she'd love to just get a police check done for you just in 
chance that you change your mind or you say, yes, I'll, I'll join, then that's done and done with. Because it does, it, there's a little bit of a process. It is free for you. So if you want to do that, uh, you can connect with her on the Connect Desk after the service. Uh, in a similar vein, we also have the family care team who's looking for volunteers to help with things like meal trains, uh, memorial teas, and uh, just caring for those in our congregation. They have a long running list of people who are part of this team, so it doesn't mean you'll be called on every single time, but the list over the years has started to dwindle, so they're just asking if anyone's interested to join that list um, so that they have people to call upon. Um, and then finally, we're also looking for volunteers for our hospitality team. So if you really love having coffee, at church. Uh, we need people to help make coffee and help make that happen. So if that's you, you're a coffee guru or you just love having coffee, um, that's an opportunity to serve the church. Also, if you love greeting and just smiling and, and talking, then uh, we're looking for greeters as well. And if you're interested in that, you can connect at the Connect Desk or also on our website or ask one of our staff. All right. Ooh, a lot of announcements this morning. Um, with that, I am going to dismiss the Apex group. So if you're in grades six to eight, uh, we have your own thing downstairs with Jerry and Lewis this morning, so enjoy. All right, uh, before we jump into things, I just wanna take a moment and let's transition ourselves and just focus our minds and our hearts on God. So I invite you to pray with me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are a God who speaks and when you speak, you bring life. And so help us hear your voice in today's psalm and help those in this room and me included, hear your voice. Um, may it not just be my voice floating through the sanctuary or online this morning, um, may it be your voice through me. And help us not just to hear, but also to be changed and made to be more like your son, Jesus. So God, open our hearts, our minds, and our ears, and we pray this in your name. So I don't know if you guys know this. Um, I'm pretty sure most people know this. What is going on here? <laughs> I don't know if you know this. All the youth leaders and youth like sit in, in this area, they all just pulled out notebooks. That was totally planned, wasn't it? <laughs> I love that. Uh, okay, so that just threw me off. Anyways, I don't know if you know this, but I was hired as the youth pastor because I'm just hip and cool and I say things like no cap and riz, right guys? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I also watch a lot of YouTube. My wife makes fun of me because instead of watching Netflix, I often will just watch YouTube. She's like, oh man, you're just like a young kid. Like, why are you watching YouTube, right? Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit this morning about one of my favorite YouTubers to give you a little window into what kind of stuff I watch. Um, my favorite YouTuber is Field Days. That's his name or his YouTube channel. Um, and he does survival challenges in the Australian wilderness with nothing but a knife. He'll just go out with nothing but a knife and he'll survive for a day, three days. I think he did a 100-hour challenge once, um, and he just records himself surviving off nothing. Um, I'm not sure why anyone in their right mind would even, like, who would go out and do this, or even just live in Australia, because have you seen the spiders and snakes and things? Like, what is going on there, right? But he's brave, and he goes out, and he does these challenges. Um, and anyway, this guy, Matt, he recently posted a video of a survival challenge where he went to one of the most desolate parts of the coast in Australia. This place is full of goats. Like, goats are just running around everywhere, and it's so dry there that the goats are actually forced to drink the salt water, which I learned something watching this. Again, you can learn things on YouTube. Um, I, I learned that goats actually can physically drink 
salt water, and it doesn't kill them right away, although if they do that for long enough, they can survive for a little bit, eventually it does get to them and it'll, it'll kill them and dehydrate them, but for a little bit it helps. Um, and so it's so dry here on this coast that the goats will drink all this salt water and then they just die. And so he's there and there's just skeletons everywhere along this coast. And this is where he chose to like have his challenge. Uh, and it's funny because he's really excited in the video. So he's like, this is awesome. This is what life's all about. And I'm like, really? You're like surrounded by skeletons. I don't know. So anyways, he, he, he did this challenge and he, um, he ended up not being able to find water himself. Usually he can find some source of water. He has different ways that he does that. But he couldn't do any of them and he ended up um, getting really dehydrated and having to cancel the challenge and go home. He still uploaded the video, but at the end, he's like, you know, my safety is at risk here, and so I need to go home um, and not end up like these goats. So why am I telling you this? Well, first is to prove to you how cool I am, because I watch YouTube. Um, but also, uh, what happened in this video is something that all too often happens to us. And I don't mean doing survival challenges, although if you're into that, great. Um, what I'm actually talking about is whether it's a hike or a trip, I'm sure most of us have been there at some point in life where we underestimated how hard something is gonna be. And we set out thinking, you know, we've got this, we can do this. And soon enough, the road gets tricky or our sandals fall apart or we sprain our ankle or something happens. We end up saying, forget it, it's too hard, I'm done. I'm not doing this, and we turn around. But I'm not just talking about hiking trips and uh, things like that. I'm also talking about things like healthy marriages or pursuing a career or starting a business, things that just happen in life that take a lot of hard work. And Eugene Peterson's book uh, that our teaching team has been using for this series um, called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene speaks on how in our culture we often look for the easy road, a quick fix, a five-step plan, one book that can solve it all opposed to taking the hard road, which is the road that eventually leads to the best things in life. In fact, Eugene chose the book title based off a quote from German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, who said, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. So in other words, the best sorts of things in life are the result of the long, steady pursuit of something meaningful. And we can take this even further beyond working towards a good career or a big family or a PhD, something bigger than all of those daunting tasks, the true meaning for which we were made for, and that is the journey home to God or the journey to know God and be known by God. And that's what this series is all about. We're exploring the Psalms of Ascent, a collection of 15 psalms that were sung by the Hebrew pilgrims on their journey up towards Jerusalem during the great worship festivals. The Ascent was a literal hike. It was a literal journey, a long one as well. But the Ascent was, for them and for us as well, also a spiritual one. Uh, it's the ascent of a life lived upwards towards God, a path laid out before us towards sharing in God's very own life. For those who like uh, road trips, these songs are kind of like a pilgrim's playlist. We have a lot of alliteration going on in this series, and pilgrim's playlist is actually one of the potential titles of this series. 
Um, but they're not just a playlist that kind of gets your feet going and, and you, know, you hum along to the tunes. They're also a guide or a map along the journey. They're practical, they're encouraging, they're challenging, and they're also hopeful. Meant to help us, as Paul says in the New Testament, press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. So the teaching team uh, have elected to call this series Steadfast Songs. Again, another alliteration, Steadfast Songs. I just wanna throw this out there. Um, when we were brainstorming for potential titles of this series, um, I went on chat GPT and just like threw out what we were doing and it pumped out all, if you don't know what that is, it's an AI chat and it pumped out all of these potential titles and I was like, steadfast songs, that's great. And, and Scott was like, no, I don't like alliterations. <laughs> So he was like adamantly against, he's like, I like the song Steadfast, but I don't like the alliteration going on there. Um, and it ended up winning the day. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And it wasn't my idea, chat GPT. See, AI's taking over the world. Anyways, uh, so we named this Steadfast Songs. We chose this as a team because uh, these songs beckon us onward. They, uh, they help us get through the rough patches of the path. So last week, Scott began us on a journey with Psalm 120, and I won't recap everything he said, uh, but it was great, so after this, if you missed out last week, I encourage you to go watch it. Um, but to summarize, Psalm 120 starts with the pilgrim in a place of resolve. He hasn't left yet, he's resolved to leave, um, he is sitting in a place where he knows that this isn't his home, this isn't what he wants in his life, and he's resolved to leave and pursue something more and better and more real. And that is the same thing with us in our journey with the gospel. For us, we get to a point where we decide and resolve to pursue the person of Jesus Christ. Getting to a place of saying enough is enough, this is not my home, I was made for something else or someone else. So the pilgrim leaves in the end of Psalm 120, which gets us to our next Psalm, which is Psalm 121. Now we're gonna look at it bit by bit, but I just thought it would be great if we just read it all together in one go and then we'll kind of chop it up into bits. So starting in verse one, I'm in the New Living Translation. This is what Psalm 121 says. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So I wanna take a pause and just look at that first line one more time. The line that goes, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, where does my help come from? Now to understand the mountains here is super important, actually helps us understand the rest of the psalm. And we have to put ourselves, in order to understand what the mountains are all about, we have to put ourselves in a Hebrew pilgrim's shoes sandals, I guess, <laughs> um, or bare feet, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, from Psalm 120, okay, the pilgrim has just resolved to go, to get up, he doesn't wanna stay where he is anymore, he wants to follow God's call, make the trip to Jerusalem, and he looks out before him on the horizon, and before him are the mountains. Now, what do they see? 
when they're looking up at the path before and they see these mountains? Do they see God's beautiful creation? Yeah, 100%. They probably are going, wow, God made these, right? But I'm actually gonna go a different direction and sorry, Simon, your thing was really beautiful this morning when we were singing that first song. But I'm, I'm gonna talk about why we shouldn't focus on the mountains um, here. Uh, you know, most of the time when we, when we hear this psalm, we go, yeah, the mountains are beautiful. I, I grew up in Alberta, and so looking at the mountains was a thing. You know, you look at the mountains and you're just in awe of how beautiful they are. Or you go to Dallas Road and you see the Olympic Mountains, same thing. Um, but the English here is actually a little confusing because in this psalm, the pilgrim in, in it is not looking at the mountains for help. He's looking past them onto something else. In fact, the wording in Hebrew poses it as a question. Um, the New Living Translation, I love how, I don't, we don't normally preach from the New Living Translation, but they actually translate this in a really helpful way. Um, in verse one, it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now you could even put a big fat no at the start of verse two. Does my help come from the mountains? No, (laughs) no, it does not come from the mountains. My help comes from Yahweh. He's trying to divert attention away from the mountains in this psalm. Um, And I can't tell you how many times I've come across, and and myself even, uh, we're posting a picture or seeing the mountains and hearing this psalm, you just go, wow, that's so beautiful. Uh, God's so beautiful. And and now that I've studied this psalm, I just kind of laugh a little bit and want to say to people who look at the mountains, like, no, look past them. Look past them. Don't look at them. (laughs) That's not what this song's about. Um, Look past them. So because I'm a youth pastor, I don't know if this is going to be funny or cringy, uh, but I have a little bit of a video that I made that I just want to really emphasize this point. So next time you hear a song or you read the psalm, just imagine uh, Michael Scott from The Office screaming, no, okay, don't look at the mountains. (laughs) Um, So here, I'll explain what I mean uh, here. So when the Hebrew pilgrim is looking at the mountains ahead, he sees more than just God's creation. In fact, that's not the focus here. Um, He would see or she would see the potential for earthquakes, the unpredictable powers of nature. That's what they would see. They'd see the various caves and hideouts notoriously known to hide thieves who were looking for the opportunity to pounce on the unsuspecting traveler. Um, They'd also see pagan shrines that represent the gods and the supernatural powers that are hostile to Israel's God and God's people. And on top of all of that, they'd also see the false promises of safety in the caves, which provide temporary shelter from the elements and maybe tempt you to stop your journey and go hide in a cave for a prolonged period of time. They'd also see temptations when the going gets tough, when the path gets rough, to make an offering to some other god on those pagan shrines or at those pagan shrines in hopes for safe passage. So it's safe to say When the Hebrew pilgrim is looking at the mountains, there's a lot going on in in themselves. There's a lot going on in the mountains, there's also a lot going on in themselves as they look at the path ahead. The mountains in this psalm represent all of these anxieties, dangers, false promises, and even temptations of idols drawing you away from trust in Yahweh, or the temptation for self-preservation that is enough to make anyone turn back or quit before they'd even start. 
So between Psalm 120 and 121, the pilgrim has resolved to go, and now they're looking ahead, going, what if? What if a thief attacks me? What if the elements get me? What if the gods or their followers come against me? What if I get tempted to lose my loyalty to Yahweh? Again, these psalms represent the song, the songs of the physical journey, but also spiritual. And for us, it's not soon after resolving to leave behind our old life and follow in the footsteps of Jesus that we encounter things like illnesses or an accident or death or some other hardship that can tempt us to turn back or question God's goodness. Or even the hostility of the nations and the peoples in rebellion in the world, the powers of darkness at work behind the scenes, your own struggle with sin, all these things that could possibly prevent us from sharing in God's life and arriving home at the destination. Unfortunately, in the West, the way that the gospel is often presented is, gives us this false impression that the path to our future in God is more like a float down the Cowichan River <laughs> than it is going through a journey of trials, hardships, and even suffering or death. In Jesus' own words, and as a youth pastor, I try to stay away from these words of Jesus because I feel like it's not the greatest way to invite people to follow him, but Jesus describes following him as denying yourself, carrying your cross. Wow, sounds so fun and easy, right? Or, uh, or these invitations uh, also to be mistreated like Jesus was, or to some, to some, even to possibly die and have their life taken from them. So with that in mind, it has to be pointed out, unlike some think when they first encounter these verses in Psalm 121, it's not a promise that you won't encounter trouble along the way or that the path will be easy going. But it is God's promise that we will get to where we're going despite the odds despite the hardships and threats, feeling, that they, feeling like they might overpower us or throw off our balance or send us limping back. It actually is probably what gave Paul the confidence to say in Romans chapter eight, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, this is what the psalm is all about. It's a song for the journey, to remind pilgrims and remind us that Yahweh has secured for us the journey home, and he is the one who will preserve us along the way. So the psalm begins with the pilgrim resolving to go, and then seeing the path ahead is daunting and struggling with these what-if questions. So naturally, the pilgrim wonders, who is this Yahweh who I've put my trust in? And littered throughout to instill trust in Yahweh are affirmations about who he is, what kind of God he is. The first one we see in the psalm is Yahweh as our creator, as our creator. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So why shouldn't I or we be afraid of the mountains and all that they represent? Well, because... Yahweh is creator of the mountains. 
I love how Simon, that was the part that was really brilliant. He said, God is the one who created the mountains. He knows every crack, every crevice, every thief who hides in a cave, every false shrine that's been set up, every false sense of security to tempt us, and none of it surprises him or has the power to stop his purposes. Or for us, as long as we remind ourselves to keep our gaze on Yahweh and not on the mountains, but the one above it all, then nothing can stop his purpose from being completed in us and in our life. I can't help but think how many times on our journey with Jesus, we try to control or manipulate or self-preserve, the same kind of temptations that the Hebrew pilgrims would have struggled with. Um, I have an anxiety disorder, GAD, and I'm riddled with the question, what if all the time, every moment of my life. Um, what if there's a fire while I sleep because I left the stove on after making supper? Uh, what if a burglar breaks in, even though I know I've locked the door, but what if, what if he breaks in? Uh, what if the big one hits tonight? Oh, man, how many of you have a survival kit at home? I don't, <laughs> but I always kind of struggle with it. What if the big one hits tonight? There's preparedness and there's being smart about things um, and making sure, you know, turn the oven off or having a earthquake emergency kit in your home. But then there's checking the oven knob 14 times, okay? Or checking the locks in the house over and over again before you go to sleep. That's part of my OCD. Um, but I think all of us struggle it, with it to some extent. How often do we try to control things that are ultimately uncontrollable? Riddled with anxiety or fear about the things that we can't control. Avoiding people or situations or putting our sense of security in things like money or politics to try and ease our anxiety. Ultimately, we as human beings have very little control. And that's a frightening thing to accept. Here, the psalmist sings, yes, we don't have control, but Yahweh is in control. He alone is creator of all things. Nothing happens that he doesn't know about before it happens. Nothing surprises him. Nothing happens without his permission. So we keep our gaze on Jerusalem, on God, and these things will not overpower us. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 14 when Peter goes out to Jesus on the water during the storm. Jesus is walking towards him. And as soon as Peter's gaze drifts, he starts to sink. Is this psalm a promise that things won't happen? Not at all. But it is an invitation to trust him, to trust Yahweh, to trust Jesus on the journey. So building on that, the psalmist has a second affirmation for us, which is Yahweh as our guide, our guide. So he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. If you're familiar with mountaineering at all, uh, then you maybe have heard of the guy named Appa Sherpa. Anyone familiar with that name? Gabe? One, two people? Okay, great, so this will be new. Uh, he's a Nepali climber uh, and guide who, up until recently, I think 2018, he held the record for the most ascents up Mount Everest. 
Um, being from Nepal, uh, Appa comes from a long tradition of Sherpas, which who were known for serving as porters and guides for anyone who came into the Himalayas looking for uh, a way through or a way up a mountain. These were experts. They knew how to get through, um, and they'd help foreign travelers. Uh, even if today, if you were to come upon any mountain in the regions of Nepal or Tibet, uh, most will actually hire a Sherpa for their extensive expertise and skill as guides to get you through. Uh, the one thing, though, that remains a fact is that there's always a risk for accidents. Uh, even if your guide were the super Sherpa, that was what he was called, the super Sherpa Appa, uh, no matter how wise or experienced a Sherpa may be, they can't control things like the weather uh, or how your body might respond to the altitude or unexpected avalanches that might come down. It seems common knowledge to us, but the line here in the psalm, he will not let your foot slip, was and is a revolutionary truth about God. Uh, we have to remember that the world that the Hebrew pilgrim lived in was very different from ours. The gods in the minds of the Hebrews and those surrounding them were real threats. Uh, they were also seductive because unlike Yahweh, you could buy their protection. You could plead with them and they might give you what what you want. You know, is the sun's heat getting to you? Well, just pay the sun priestess for protection from the sun god. You don't need sunscreen. <laughs> you know, just do a little sacrifice here at this pagan shrine and you're protected. You're good to go. Um, devils trying or demons trying to knock you off your feet by moving pebbles, which is actually a thing they thought happened, uh, you know, kicking pebbles in your way or knocking you uh, off your feet. Well, then go to the shrine and learn the magic incantation to ward them off. Um, it's almost like an infomercial. If this was today, they'd probably be multiple commercials. You have this problem? Well, there's a God for that. <laughs> Just go up to the shrine and you'll figure it out. Um, the thing is, though, as much as this was the thinking back then, uh, these false gods and their powers were limited. They were a part of creation, just like we are. And so they were limited in their powers to do things. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament comes from 1 Kings chapter 18, where the prophet Elijah sets up a contest between the great pagan god Baal and Yahweh. And Baal never shows up to the contest. He doesn't show up. He doesn't do anything. And Elijah teases his worshipers, asking, you don't suppose he's overslept, do you? Like, maybe he just never got up this morning. You know, maybe that's why he didn't show up. Whereas Yahweh shows up, right? Um, and the reason for this is because the gods were fickle. Sometimes they didn't respond if they didn't want to. Even if you did all the right things, they would not respond. Or even the Sherpas today, as much as they're experts of the mountains, they can't prevent accidents. They're still, uh, they're still under creation's power, right? Their ability to guide is limited. But Yahweh, and on Yahweh's path, there is no such thing as an accident, in Hebrew, the word for slip means to be knocked off course. So your foot cannot slip pursuing him. You cannot be thrown off course in your trust, if your trusting gaze is on him. The simple truth is, unlike the pagan gods, Yahweh isn't victim to the nature of things because nature and history itself bend their knee to Yahweh. The destination of all things ending in Christ is secure. There's nothing can, who, that can thwart it. So God as our creator and God as our guide. The third one is my absolute favorite. 
and it is Yahweh as our companion. Verses five to six says, the Lord watches over you. So I don't know if you've noticed this in the Psalm, but the first bit is talking about Israel and the world, and now it's targeting the individual. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. I love this verse because my initial thought was, only my right hand? <laughs> like God will prevent your right hand from getting sunburned, <laughs> but the rest of your body, you know, good luck. Uh, yesterday I didn't put sunscreen on, so my wife Chelsea was bugging me because I had, I don't know if I still have it, maybe you can see it in the light, I have a sunburn on my forehead. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I told you, you should have worn sunscreen. You know, it's like God will protect your right hand, but the rest of the body you gotta slather sunscreen on, you know, okay, thanks God. <laughs> Uh, again, we're so removed from the context of the Hebrew pilgrim that we have to remember to think of it the way that they would to get a fuller picture of what's being said here. So to illustrate, I have a picture of our wonderful youth leader, Chase. And sorry, Chase, I didn't tell you I was gonna do this. <laughs> um, so the Hebrews are living in a time of constant war, right? So the phrase of your right hand had a lot of meaning in that context because a soldier often held their shield in their what? Left hand, left hand, right? And where would they hold their sword? Right hand, usually. Um, and so this actually left their right side vulnerable to attack. If you were fighting someone, you would try to attack their right side because their left side is covered with the shield. So this is why soldiers, when they march together, they'd always march next to each other so that they could cover each other's vulnerable um, sides. So here the psalmist is saying, where we are most vulnerable, Yahweh steps in. Where we are weak, Yahweh is strong. I had a conversation with Clayton Dugan um, earlier this week. And he talked about how in his journeys all over the world, um, he's noticed that God performs miracles places where they don't have access to medical help. And that's where he's seen God show up the most and do perform crazy miracles before him. Um, whereas here, we have medical, uh, medical people who know a lot and can help us. We have medicines, we have surgeries, we have all those things. Um, and so Yahweh steps in where we are most vulnerable. So there's still an idea that we have to use our brains, we have to do what's right, we have to be prepared in some extent. But Yahweh will cover the vulnerable side. So the anxieties, the fears, the temptations, the powers beyond us that threaten to overcome us, overtake us or steer us away, Yahweh steps in and he picks up the fight. Eugene Peterson uses the analogy of a ship. The waves may toss us, they may disorient us, they may make us feel like a shipwreck is inevitable, yet nothing, nothing is able to break our hull. Is it because we're strong? No, you and I are vulnerable, powerless, but Yahweh is not. He is our shade, he is our strength, he is our impenetrable hull, no matter what gets thrown at us. Paul is thinking on these same lines in Romans chapter eight where he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, no matter what is thrown at you, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so just like the gods who are fickle and depending on the day may help you, may not, 
Yahweh is for you and me. He is there behind, ahead, beside. He's fighting for the good of the world as creator, and he's fighting for the good of Israel. He's fighting ultimately uh, for you, because what is good for Israel, what is good for the world, is also good for you. So he's fighting for you. To this pagan-minded world, a personal, loving, compassionate God who cares about human beings and cares about their destiny, who cares about where they end up, where society ends up, where the world ends up, is actually a foreign idea. It comes to us from scripture, from the Old Testament. It was introduced to the world. If you look up studies that historians have done, there is no other thinking in the ancient Near East that even comes close to what the Old Testament brings into the world. This idea that God cares, that God is our companion, that Yahweh, the true God, is for you and is for me. A God who came to dwell a God who took on human flesh and gave his life, a God who lives in you and me by his spirit, a God who is closer to us than our very own breath. Again, this is not a promise that things won't happen along the journey or in life or in this broken world, but it is a promise that God will shield us. He won't let what happens, no matter how high the waves get, overtake us as long as our gaze is on him and our trust is in him. The last stanza of the psalm in verses seven to eight comes to us as a blessing. It kind of summarizes all of these ideas into one. And we've heard the affirmations. Yahweh is our creator. Yahweh is our guide. Yahweh is our companion on the journey. And because of those great truths, he finishes the psalm with, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. So to summarize, It's God who watches over us. He never grows tired or weary like we do. We serve a God who is fully attentive to every detail of our lives, down to the smallest pebble, and who is also in full control of everything that happens. For the pilgrim looking ahead at the daunting path, this psalm whispers to them, God has secured the way. And for us who look ahead at the gospel path of following Jesus and all that it entails and the surrendering we have to do to him, this psalm whispers, God has secured the way. Whatever might come, whatever you might lose, whatever life might throw at you. As humans, when the terrain gets tough, we tend to cling on to something, an escape, a distraction, a false sense of security, or we just plainly give up and turn back. In fact, I'm reading a book right now, it's called The End of Youth Ministry. <laughs> it's kind of a funny book for a youth pastor to read, The End of Youth Ministry. Anyways, it's, uh, it's about how our culture idolizes happiness and we do everything in our control to avoid anything that might bring suffering or pain into our life. The path of the gospel is through the pain, not away from it, not an escape from it, but actually through it, because it's through the pain, through the suffering that we endure, that we come out on the other side into resurrection life, into joy that cannot be stolen away from us. That is why Jesus talks about the path being daunting and not easy, but he says, trust me, and I will shield you. I will walk through it with you. You will get to where you are going, because I'm here, and I'm with you. I really don't like the Hallmark gift cards, or gift cards, (laughs) cards that say things like, God won't give you too much 
to handle, that you can't handle on your own. Like really, that's not even in the Bible. It's not a verse in the Bible. So if you've heard that before, that's not even in the Bible. <laughs> in fact, life is too much for us to handle. That's the truth of scripture, which is why we live in a time of mass distraction, entertainment, TikToks, and all. It's why we need Yahweh. It's why we need to understand and come to a humble place in our lives where we understand we don't control all things. We can't control all things. And so I didn't mention this at the beginning, but the psalm is actually a conversation that is taking place between a new pilgrim who's about to set off on the journey and someone who's been through the journey before. He's gone the path, he's come and gone, he knows Yahweh, he knows that there are things ahead that are daunting. And in this psalm, the psalmist, the veteran psalmist is coming alongside this new pilgrim who's looking at the mountains thinking, this is too much, I can't do this. There's so much out there that is looking to attack me. There's so much within myself that is looking to overcome me. This is too much. I can't possibly get to where the destination is. And this psalmist, this veteran psalmist, is coming alongside saying, child, you can do this. You're right. There are scary things out there. I've been there. I've been... Things have been stolen from me. Thieves have come out and attacked me. I've encountered priests and priestesses who are trying to ward me off or scare me away with their gods. I've encountered things like that. But do you know who is more powerful than all of the threats and all the traps that are out there for you? Yahweh, our creator, our guide, our companion. And he's the one who has secured the journey home and promises to preserve you along the way. That is what this psalm is about. I wanted to mention here a practical side of this, someone who's experienced this hope that comes from this psalm. Her name is Sarah Hauser. She's a mom of four. She's an author and a speaker. She has a blog. She's pretty popular. You may have come across her before. She shared in one of her books about when this particular psalm and the truth that I just declared about this conversation happening came to life for her in a very dark season of her life. The dark season started when she brought home her little ones from the hospital after they'd been born, and she became obsessive as a new mother over their safety. What if something happened? What if they stopped breathing in the middle of the night? She'd sit there at the door with the gnawing truth that she can't protect her family from absolutely everything. There are things out there she has no control over. If you have a little one, you've probably had them get a cold. I remember when Lucas got his first cold and he was sniffling and it sounded like he couldn't breathe and we did not sleep at all because we were just so scared <laughs> that he was gonna stop breathing. And so we stayed awake. There are things that are beyond our control. But coming across this psalm, Sarah, she was comforted with the idea that God is the one who keeps us, that he has secured the way, that he promises to preserve you and me and our little ones and anyone who else who walks this path with God. Honestly, I wrestle with this psalm, and I actually didn't like it when Scott first gave it to me because it sounds like a Hallmark card. <laughs> it doesn't sound true to the experiences of our lives, the, the hurt that's there, the bruises that people have. Um, I have had friends who have been taken away from this world because of the evils in it. But her quote here is just so beautiful, even if it leaves a little bit of mystery for the problem of evil and suffering. She says, God keeping us doesn't mean that we will never suffer. It does mean, though, that evil and suffering, danger and heartache will not have the final word. 
We only see a sliver of the story now. Someday it will become clear and we will, we, we will know fully even as I have been fully known. Isn't that beautiful? In my own seasons of anxiety and depression, even just a few years ago, this speaks to me. The ultimate goal is not to escape, to avoid or remove hard things as Sarah beautifully came to know herself. And what I'm learning, the goal along the path is to glorify God, to trust him even in the middle of it, whether healing comes or hurts remain. Does anyone watch uh, AGT, America's Got Talent? I don't know if you've watched the most recent episode but in it, there was a beautiful choir from uh, South Africa that came on and sung a song. And the song they sang was actually from someone last year who auditioned. Her name was um, uh, Nightbird, I think, Nightbird. She came on to the show last year, and she was very open about how she, was, she had terminal cancer. She was only 30 years old. She came on, and she sung this song called It's Okay. <laughs> um, and in it there was this inspiration that happened where these, this South African choir heard this song and felt her desire to just be okay with the situation and to still praise God amidst it she was a Christian. And they felt compelled to come on AGT this year and sing that song in tribute to her. She died last year. She couldn't finish the AGT season because she had, chemo was too hard on her and then she eventually passed away. Her name, Nightbird, and I, this is the point that I wanna bring up, is such a beautiful story behind it that Chelsea and I found the other day. Uh, she woke up in the middle of the night, she's, again, she's terminal, she's going through chemo. She woke up in the middle of the night and she three times dreamt of birds singing outside of her window in the middle of the night. And the third time she actually woke up and it was real, there were birds singing outside of her window at 3 a.m. in the morning before even the first light had come up. It was pitch blackout. And she went out to her window and went, what is going on? Why are these birds singing? And she felt like God was telling her, the sun is not up yet, yet these birds are singing. And you can do the same. You can sing and you can glorify me and you can trust me even though the sun hasn't arisen yet. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the one who guards you and protects you and preserves your life. Even death even if death came, even if death comes, which it does for all of us, it has already done its worst. And the resurrection of Jesus is that security of all security, promising that in the end, evil and death will not win because it has already lost, it has already lost. As Eugene Peterson puts it, no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, we'll be able to separate us from God's purpose in us. So in closing, as we take our first steps along this ancient path in the Psalms of Ascent, let us not be intimidated by the path ahead, but instead let's keep our eyes on the one who has the power, the authority, and the love to keep us until we arrive home. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for being a God who wants to know us. Thank you for being a God who wants to share your life with us. Thank you for being a God who is in control over every detail of our lives and who can turn anything 
that evil or death throws our way towards your good. Help us to trust you as our creator, our guide, our companion, our keeper. Forgive us for being afraid and help us in our unbelief. Instill in us a conviction that leads us away from the false promises of the world and into your loving, secure, caring hands. Lord, the next time we look up to the mountains, remind us that our help comes from beyond the mountains, that there is a greater source of help on this journey. And even though at times, maybe even right now, we may feel like giving up because the world is too broken or we're too broken, remind us that you have secured the way ahead and you promise to preserve our life in you from now until always. You alone are Yahweh. You alone can save you alone are in control. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.